Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. A reminder that the season finale is coming up and I'm putting together an episode that I need your help with. The episode is going to be a compilation of different people's answers to the same question. All I'll need is two to three minutes of your time. And the question is something that's open to anyone with any kind of experience living abroad, whether you no longer live abroad, whether you are a serial expat, whether you're an immigrant, any sort of globally fluid identity is fair game. And I would love to hear from a wide variety of listeners for this one. If you're interested, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram. So shoot me a message or you can email me at theexpatcast at gmail.com. I'm excited to say I've already heard from some of you, and I think it's going to shape up to be a really cool, special way to wrap up this great season. Another note this week is Sean over at the Germany Experience ran a rerun of the episode where I was a guest. I went on a show to talk about different German stereotypes, and we either upheld them or we busted them as a myth. We recorded it like over a year ago, I think, and I, I remember having a really fun time putting my list of German stereotypes together and then talking them through with him. And I have to say, I actually re-listened to it when he put it back out and I, I liked it then too because it was cool to hear how my opinions about different things in the German culture have shifted over time or not. So if you're interested in hearing that, you can search for the Germany experience and you'll see my episode as the most recent one. This week's guest is a friend of a friend named Maria. I met her through a group of friends who all studied together in a master's program called the Global Studies Program, or GSP. In this master's program, you spend a semester in Germany before spending two semesters abroad and then a final semester back in Germany. Some of my guests in former seasons are people who have done that program, so maybe it sounds familiar to some of you. And I mentioned that just because she does reference it in the episode. I was lucky enough to meet Mario when I was up in Berlin a couple weeks ago, and gosh, it was friend love at first sight. <laughs> I, as you'll hear, make a solid pitch for her to move down to Freiburg, and I really hope it works someday. <laughs> I'm excited to have met her and now have her on the show. She's really just a delight of a person with a lot of great thoughts to share. And now you too get to hear her great thoughts. <laughs> so enjoy. So my name is Mahdia. I am from Bangladesh. I'm from the city of Dhaka there, the capital, and I'm currently living in Berlin, Germany, and I've been here since uh, about a year and a half now. And do you want to give us your full resume of places that you've lived? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> after I left Dhaka uh, when I was 19, I lived in Australia for three years, um, and then I moved back to Dhaka for a year, and I didn't really like it. So I found the, my master's program and moved to Berlin in 2017, then was in Argentina for four months, then in Thailand for a year, most of it in Bangkok, and then sometime in Chiang Rai. And then I moved back to Berlin last year. It's a good solid handful of places to be calling home. <laughs> or I don't know, did you? Did you not call them home? Um, a good question. Um, home was always Dhaka for me until I moved to Australia and found my 
second i'm sorry there's dogs outside now i would say australia was a bit of a more closer to home for me because i got to corporate incorporate both me who i wanted to be and my own personal background and just make myself there well i'm of the opinion for whatever it's worth that one can have multiple homes so you can still say taka's home and also australia taka's the birth home and um, Australia is the home that I could identify myself with. Chicago is a place I only lived for two years, but I call it my heart home. Like it's mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. my heart's just there for whatever reason. Mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. maybe maybe Australia is your your heart home. But yeah, yeah. Tell me about like what made you what made that connect for you? What made the difference? Whereas that felt like home, but. I don't know, Argentina, Thailand, and Germany haven't really done that in the same way. So yeah, I would also say yeah, Australia was my little heart home. I think it was because I was I moved at 19. So you know, that was the first time in my life I had left my country. And as a result, I had to learn everything all by myself. And by that, I mean, everything. I didn't know how to cook or clean or anything. I just decided to leave without learning any of these things. And I chose Australia because I didn't know anybody there. Like in terms of family, I had no one. So I had to depend on myself. And that was my plan. Uh, Most of the time, people who are moving from like South Asia or like in Bangladesh, for instance, generally, they tend to go to a country where they know someone or they have a community there they can instantly dive into. But I chose Australia because I didn't know anybody there and I wanted to start from scratch. For the first year, I struggled a lot. And the whole three years there was um, a very quick transition on how to figure out myself there find friends, find uh, two different groups of people that work totally different ways and that I felt comfortable with. That was the whole split thing where I had the Australian friends or like the non-Bengali friends with whom I would play video games to the point or, you know, drink or go out, which I don't do as much anyway. And then I had the Bengali friends who with whom I would just make like home-cooked meals that are like memory-based or drink tea all night and play games all night and there was no like end time with them so it was just like for as long as you want to kind of hang out just in each other's faces and yeah so that perfect balance was what I really really enjoyed and I you know you don't really know what you have until you lose it so so even though you moved there without knowing someone or going with family or something you did end up finding or seeking out a Bangladeshi community there it happened kind of in a natural way it was second year while I was there Um, first year I didn't know anybody in terms of Bengali Um, so the second year is when I heard a couple of people who were just enrolling into my university and so I reached out and I said, hey, you know, let's hang out sometime. And we did. And they were also pretty excited. So we started to build a community together, but like not community, more like a, a club on in university. So we created a culture club at university, just the six of us. Every week we had like a serious meeting and we had to deal with the university. We had to do paperwork. At the same time, we were getting all this money to make free food for everyone. So we were really enjoying it. And that really got us to be close, really close. We had our little fights all the time, but we still celebrated all our accomplishments together. So it was a really like family stuff at that point. And it happened really naturally. Why didn't you end up staying in Australia? What what brought you away from it? Um, A lot of reasons. I think it was mostly that I knew... On my first semester in Australia, I knew that I wanted to come to Germany to study for my master's because Australia is 
expensive with education. I mean, it's not as US expensive or UK expensive, but it's still expensive. When after my university ended, I knew I wanted to do masters. And I knew like my visa was ending in Australia, so I had to leave at some point. I mean, I could have done temporary residency and all that stuff, but inevitably I still needed to do my master's and I knew I didn't want to do it there. So I, yeah, I left, I went to Takam. I stayed there for a year trying to recenter, I guess, and try to figure out where to go next. And during that time I was working and I realized how much I couldn't, I didn't fit in in Taka at all and not one bit. So I was like really agitated to leave. Within that year, I applied to Germany and I got in. And so I left a year after. When you were getting ready to leave Australia and go to Taka, were you were you excited? Were you excited to get back in your home country to not have to worry about all of the things that come with being a foreigner somewhere? Were you looking forward to it? Um, funny, actually, when I left Australia, about Taka to go to Australia, it was, um, by the way, in Australia, I lived in Wollongong. A big part of my heart is for Wollongong. Um, <laughs> and it, the other reason is that it's tiny and it's like, okay, they call themselves a city, but I've come from a crowded city. That's not a city to me. It's it's small. It's a really tiny little cute place by the beach. So I love it. And I think that was also the reason why we were a lot closer because everybody lived nearby and meeting up was always convenient. And yeah, I lived with half the people that I was close with. So, But yeah, so in terms of moving, when I moved from Dhaka to Australia, I was super upset and super scared about this new life and everything. And it was yeah, I went through a whole depressive phase for the first six months, which affected a lot of my personal relationships. But when I left Australia three years later, I was crying my eyes out. Like I was crying the entire week before. And then when I was leaving the day off, I was still crying. And when I got home, I was still crying. So it was like I was crying for a long time to get over the fact that I had to leave. That transition did take a toll on me. Yeah, because then like you're coming back with this new identity, like you're not just back in your home country and back to being your average Taka citizen, right? Like Mm. You're like, I have this whole other part of me that I've discovered and developed in Australia. And that needs to be acknowledged too. Like that needs to be part of my life too. And then it's not because you're not there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like in comparison to Taka and other cities in Bangladesh, given it's a big, the biggest city and the most crowded and metropolitan, surprisingly, it's more conservative than other parts. The other parts are a little bit more laid back and Taka is a seemingly more conservative, but there's a lot of hidden communities around that kind of stay to themselves and they have their little more outgoing party type behavior. And that's generally among the millennial generation and younger, or that's also among richer, older generations. And so majority of the population are, you know, middle to lower or middle class or lower, and they're a bit more conservative in their way of life and thinking. I'm not talking about the young generations, though. They're a lot more open. And so when I moved there back and I was starting to work at a company where most of the people were my age range, it was great because we got along. We were always having fun. And there were times where we'd go out on the weekend. But by out, I mean, this is a city where there's no clubs. So people don't go out, out. There is no legal drinking. So everybody drinks on a shady level everybody's buying alcohol from the black market or everybody's buying alcohol through someone else who has a foreign passport that's the way you can buy it and it's like really difficult so you can't just go out and buy something and just have a fun you just have to make a whole process out of it and I mean my parents are kind of conservative in that way so 
you know, if I wanted to go out and hang out with my friends with no timeline of when I'm coming back, they would stress out, they would worry, why am I not coming back? They wouldn't go go to bed until I came home, which is also additional stress for me. So I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to go out. I'll just stay home all the time. So didn't really do my own thing, basically. I didn't fit in at that point anymore. At least my life didn't fit. The people I still got along, but my life didn't fit and I had to leave. And I'm not the only one who would say that, I would say, because there's a lot of people who do go back to Hataka and either they let go and incorporate the lifestyle of Taka as their own or they leave again or they feel upset that they can't leave. There's a whole collection of people who just either surviving because they have to or they have incorporated that life and accepted that this is how it's going to be from now on. This is where I need to be kind of a thing. And some who are lucky who actually have a community where it's a lot more progressive, like the richer community. They It's interesting because it sounds a little bit like for you in your case, it was a mixture of a bit of a culture clash that you now had multiple cultures existing within you that you wanted to express. But then also you moved abroad to Australia when you were so young that you learned to be an adult there. And then all of a sudden you're having to be sort of a kid again, you know, like living with your parents and being considerate of them. And like this also was a, a conflict, but a different sort of culture clash, like just a generational growing up kind of a thing. So I'm interested to hear then if we then fast forward to Germany, like this is another time where you're you're living as an adult and in a yet another culture. How does that feel for you? How how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, the culture clash was huge because like you said, I mean, I was going from child to adult to child again. That was one of my biggest things that I didn't enjoy that I had to be in Taka feeling like like I was under my family's rules and which again I don't mind because I was kind of like old in terms of going out I don't like clubbing anyway so that didn't really matter to me it was more that kind of didn't have my own time of what I wanted to do even when it comes to like dinners and lunches and stuff so everything was on their time and I don't know when I was living by myself I really didn't care for when I had lunch I just had it when I was hungry so it was a whole thing that's little things really just bothered me or didn't it didn't feel like I was being myself anymore. And I think there was a huge difference in my family and me in another way was that I was not religious as well all my life when I was a kid. I complied with religion because I feared it as a kid, but then I stopped fearing it, but I still complied. And then when I went to Australia, I started realizing that it, it doesn't really work for me. And at, for a long time, I couldn't tell my parents. And I still am struggling with that and then so when I was in Taka a lot of our communication was just not happening because I wasn't religious so there, a lot of behavior of mine or my belief or my thought process was not the way that they think so it, it impacted our conversations or communication and so a lot of the time I was kind of by myself in my own room in my parents place and I adjusted to it really quickly but I didn't really like it but I had to do it kind of a thing because it was either that or talking to them about religion and neither of us want to talk about religion. None of us. Uh, so, but yeah, so then, which is why I had to leave and that's why I decided to move to Germany when I did get accepted. It was a difficult choice because I thought that like everyone else who moves back to Taka, there's this responsibility for your family that if you leave, then you're not being responsible for your family and taking care of them. So there was that fear that once I leave, I might not come back. 
as in like permanently settle in Dhaka. Um, so I was really stress- stressing out about that. But somehow I decided to move here because a friend of mine was like, no, if you got in, you should go. You need to accept it. And if you do come back, you will. But you can't let go of this opportunity to leave because you haven't been happy here anyway. So just do it. And if you find the feeling to come back, you will. And so, yeah, I left for Germany. And to be honest, I knew that it was going to be a lot of moving around from country to country. And I was already excited about that because on on page, of course, it sounds really fun and exciting. Oh, God, you get to travel and say that it's education. But it is really (laughs) stressful. It, It has been a whirlwind of an experience. And they never tell you that you need to prepare your mental health for it because it's very exhausting like you you come to a city and you kind of want to figure your own place in the city right you want to find your little things that you like to do you want to discover the city you want to have fun you want to learn about the city uh, settle down and and everywhere we went was like a four months trip so everything is just rushing through it rushing through it and I come with a Bengali passport so everything is like paperwork 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 and I got it to Berlin, I found a place, and then within two months, I'm already looking at paperwork for the next city. And that means I have to figure out my paperwork for Germany, and then figure out paperwork for Argentina, and then just paperwork. And even with health insurance, me as a brown person, I'm just like, health insurance is stupid. And I'm just like, I'll be fine. Everything is fine. I'll get cured by myself. I don't need, but then I had to, because you can't do all other bureaucracy in Germany without health insurance, which is ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, I guess that also makes it difficult to kind of have friends that you can say are your close friends or you've made friends along the way. And I have made friends, a lot of friends along the way. And they're close, but they're also moving around. I think I would say that before I started GSP, I was very happy with the kind of friends that I had, given that I understood that, that they're all living in different countries, but we're very close and we can you know, stay in contact over phone and we're there for each other when we need to be there for each other. But then when things were that bad, when I really needed friends to be there for me all the time, there is one of those moments where you're just needy. You you kind of need some fallback on some friends or community who are just going to be there because you can't function at a point in your life. And I was at that point, maybe the fourth semester of GSP, and I was in a complete breakdown. I was always trying to call my friends on the phone because that's the only way I could find people I wanted to talk to and I realized holy shit I don't have any friends in the city that I'm in and that was really rough for my mental health if I call someone up and I want to talk to them at some point they have to leave because they have life whereas if I were in a city where I have friends who who can just be there for me or family who can just be there for me they'd come over and that you know maybe make me food I don't know just be there so that I'm not alone with my thoughts and That was a huge break in the whole nomadic life thing because it ended up becoming a reason for me to force myself to settle in Berlin because I was like, no, I can't do this anymore because it's really scary if shit goes down again. How am I going to recover? Because this whole process was really hard. Yeah, so that's why I decided to stay in Berlin and just kind of find a group of people that I can get along with. And it's still a process. I'm not there yet because, like I said, I know what I had in Wollongong and it's not there yet. Maybe, maybe 30, 40%, but not, not 35. I'll give it a safe 35. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just feel like this whole nomadic experience, this experience of having moved to so many places just makes it so much more complex because, I mean, if you think about it, like when you were just a girl from Bangladesh who moved to Australia, you could find people who were both Australian and people who were also Bengali to to befriend, right? Mm-hmm. But then from there on, it got harder and harder because then you didn't just have this one identity of girl from Bangladesh living in Australia. You then had girl from Bangladesh who lived in Australia but is now living in Bangladesh. And then you add on to that who then is now living in Germany and then Argentina and then Thailand and then <laughs> Germany again. And at some point, there's just no other person who has that same trajectory that you can hook up with you know like I know for me it's really simple right I'm American I live in Germany and whenever I meet another person who is American and has lived in Germany we have a lot in common because (laughs) no matter where they're from in the states they're similar enough in their journey that we can at least talk and bond you know what I mean but I notice my friends who have had a longer expat experience like they've moved around a lot more I think it does get harder and harder because there's just all these pockets of your life that no one else can fully tap into. And maybe you can separate it. Maybe you can find friends from all of these different locations Mm -hmm. or have have lived in these different locations who can tap into that piece of your identity. But that's still just one piece of the pie. It's never full. And you're just looking around. I I can imagine that you're just looking around being like, oh, but no one gets that 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, precisely. It's a, it's a like when you see it in that that timeline. Yeah, nobody definitely has not that same timeline. So obviously, I don't expect it as well. Like when I'm meeting people, I don't really expect them to understand or like for being uh, to to be able to link with me or be like, yeah, exactly, I totally get it. But at, oftentimes, it also becomes like me explaining my culture and my experience, and that can be repetitive and exhausting. Sometimes I just want someone who just doesn't even have to be in the same line. They just have to come from Dhaka and also struggle with being themselves in Dhaka. That's pretty much, yeah, my bar is just there when it comes to like South Asians, people who just don't fit in in their their town and they feel more comfortable in another town, another city, another country. That's literally enough for me to just bond with them because I'm like, there's so much there that's already similar in terms of religion, in terms of family acceptance, in terms of family expectations, age. Like there's a huge thing about being at this age and expecting to be married and have kids by now. And I mean, that's just a weird expectation. I understand it if you're living in Taka or like if you're living anywhere that you've settled there for like five years at that point or like all your life, of course, at that point of time, it makes sense for you to think, okay, yeah, you know, I've lived in this country for, let's say, 10 or 5 years or 20 years or all my life. I have a job here. I have a, fam- I have a family. I have a community. I have a friends here. I also have a relationship that could go somewhere. I could see that person with me at that time. But when I've been living in so many countries so much and I don't really have a community in the city alone, when I hear it from my family, I'm just like, do you not understand that that doesn't really apply if you're not living in the same country for a long time, if you don't have a place that you're settled down in. You can't even see that as a goal. Like it doesn't factor into my head how that would even be possible. I think that also makes a difference in how I meet people because I will meet people that I don't see myself with because we have different backgrounds or not just backgrounds, but we have different views of each other. Like I get along in different ways with different people. Like I'll get along with Bengalis in a totally different way that I don't do with everyone else. 
But at the same time, in the Bengali community that I've met here, they don't do the same things as I do. They don't go out. They don't drink. They're kind of to themselves. They're not very social. I am the only person that socializes with them. So, but at the same time as well, if I do expand and meet more Bengalis, they are also very conservative. They're judgmental of the way I would dress, the way I look. So I fall in this like weird little trap where, you know, you become a social person because you have to be. So for me, it's like a switch. I can just turn it on when I need to and then socialize, adapt myself to the person that I'm talking to. But it's me adapting, not them adapting to me. And then... I become comfortable with becoming adaptable. And that is wrong because then I'm just not being myself. And the only time I'm myself is when I'm at home and just, you know, doing my own little thing. And that becomes kind of like, it can be a little cycle that I'm not sure how to get out of. Do you ever daydream about going back to Taka and feeling like then if you did that, you know, if you just were there, then you could have those friendships and maybe relationships and this kind of future planning that you currently feel cut off from? Like, is that a fantasy for you or no? Sometimes, yeah. You know those that I'm going to quote how I met your mother. Nothing good (laughs) happens after 2 a.m. Yeah, after 2 a.m., which I'm often awake, I will go back to my daydreaming times and I'm like, but what if I was there at this time? How would it have gone? What if I didn't leave after high school? Or what if I left and I dealt with the pain of being in Taka and just accepted it and stayed there and over time got accustomed to it. What if I did that? Or what if I stayed in Australia and paid for the stupid, crazy master's education? All of that, definitely. But that's a parallel universe and the outcome of a parallel universe doesn't work with today. Of course, like as far as I can go is think, okay, yeah, if I were in Australia, maybe I would have had a a job but then I would also be in debt with master's program maybe I wouldn't have seen as much of the world but I also think that before my master's I was still very narrow-minded in my thinking which is surprising like even to me because I thought okay when I moved to Australia I, I thought I was way more open but it was after I had moved for my master's that I became way more open and way more accepting and way more understanding of other people and that i wouldn't maybe I wouldn't have done the same if I had continued to stay in Australia maybe I would have traveled to Europe but wouldn't understand that a lot of people talked about Europe as just a continent rather than the different cultures here same with every other continent I feel like I might have been one of those people who just sees Europe as a country not as a continent of multiple cultures and (laughs) history and all that same with like South Asia and I'm super defensive about it as well when people talk to me but I don't know if I would have done that if I hadn't traveled our way and seen South Asia as not just a region, but also a memory, also a history that I was more willing to learn about because I left. And all of that eventually comes back to my mind after 2.15. <sighs> 2 to 2.15 is when I think about the daydreaming. And then 2.15 to 2.30 is when I think about, yeah, it wouldn't have worked the same. I think I am... At the end of the day, the, the life that I'm at the moment is the best it would have been in comparison to all the parallel life that I assume would have not been as educational as I have gone through at the moment. Like, I try not to have any regrets. There are phases of my life where I will think of certain things as a regret, but then I think that, no, it, the fact that I see it as a negative is because I went through something hard. And if I hadn't gone through something hard, I wouldn't know how to cope with it and if I don't learn how to cope with it back then 
it would be a lot harder to learn how to cope with it right now. So at the end, I'm always just trying to, it's not the most positive way to see things. I'm not very good at being positive. So I try to see it logistically as possible and justify it with logic that no, I made these decisions back then. And the decisions I make now, I'm probably going to look back on it five years from now and be like, that was a shit decision. But I mean, I wouldn't know if it was a shit decision until I take it. So I'm still daydreaming of Australia. I still think about it. I still think about going back there. I still talk to my friends there and just update myself on them and live vicariously through their Snapchats. I use Snapchat. (laughs) You use Snapchat? Oh my God. (laughs) Surprisingly, it got me to be open. Like I I started talking to a lot of people that I hadn't in years, which was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still reflecting on what you talked about earlier. I I think there's a, a big loneliness that comes with education that doesn't really get addressed that mm-hmm. much. But I mean, the more you know about the world, the more that distances you from a lot of people who haven't learned those things or haven't landed to the same conclusions based on what they've learned. And of course, education is an incredible thing. And I'm in no <laughs> ways saying that people should not become educated. I'm just saying that, I mean, I understand what you're saying. It's like you've You've just changed so much and you can't wish that you didn't know these things, mm-hmm. but it leaves you isolated and it's it's a lonely thing and mm-hmm. it just makes it harder and harder to like to really or it can make it harder and harder to really relate to people. Like I know for some people travel is all about connection and they find that they can connect with the world with other people so much more because of it. And I I get that. And I think that's true. But I think there's also this additional element of like, but then that travel is over and you're back to your life. And what then, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's digital nomads who just are perpetually traveling. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. But that also seems flawed to me. So I don't really know what the solution is to to handle this loneliness that comes from it. But I think you've described it really well. (laughs) I mean, it's the opportunity cost of everything. And I guess the more if you're willing, if you want to become more educated on the world, there's you're definitely moving a lot faster than a lot of other people. So if you want to turn back and talk to them, they're going to find it hard to understand you and you're going to find it hard to communicate to them. And that's how I feel like oftentimes, even in Berlin, as progressive, as super open, expat life as it is here, oftentimes I feel like, when I speak to someone, I find that their optimism towards life is just a bit too childish, way too happy about the world and the future and everything. And I'm like, you don't really know what's happening. I don't tell them, but I keep it in my head that I'm like, you're seeing world in a way happier perspective than I would. I mean, it doesn't have to be always like think positive. I think there's a lot of things about thinking positive that people overdo and negativity is a part of life and if you don't really approach it if you don't really accept that it's happening and just kind of distract yourself with whatever is possible then you're not really learning how you you as an individual deal with something that's negative you're just kind of following somebody else's instructions or like step-by-step wiki how on how to deal with it and (laughs) and uh, I mean I think when you're learning and you're doing all these education I mean when I for GSP like the program that I was with Everything that we learned there was, here is a problem. Here is 50 authors that have dealt with, discussed it heavily. And the, the conclusion is, there is no solution. Curl up in a ball and cry that your existence means nothing. The world is going to die. You're going to die with it. And so just, you now know it before 8 billion other people. 
<laughs> and that is pretty much the summary of my program. But like 2020, the 8 billion other people, they're catching up. We're catching on. Like we're all figuring <laughs> out that optimism is not the way to go. Oh, yeah. That everything's crap and we're just swimming in crap. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, that's why Corona, like the quarantine wasn't that hard for me. I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> this feels like a lot bliss to me because things have slowed down. And I think I was going so fast. And that the th- world has kind of slowed down and I have to, as a result, be a part of the slowdown. And I'm like, oh, this is nice, like completely fine time. But at, like listening to everybody like full on panicking about the world suddenly was like, yeah, no shit. That's what we've been trying <laughs> to say for a long time. I'm glad right. that you're sitting at home and self-reflecting. This is this is nice. Good for you. <laughs> You're like, welcome to my world. Welcome (laughs) to this world. Exactly. Welcome to my world of sadness now. Looking forward now. So you've landed in Berlin. You said that you're sort of committing to being here, at least just so that you can get through this chaos of the nomadic life and Mm -hmm. and feel a bit more settled. Mm -hmm. Now you've been through a pandemic there. What are you what are you thinking about for the future? Do you think you're going to how long do you think you're going to stay there? Are you feeling you're breaking through some of the things that you are feeling because of all of this moving around or yeah how's how's the future looking for you (laughs) given that I must always look towards the future because as a human you have to look towards something I have to have an answer to that for myself and for other people therefore I do um I look at it as pragmatically as I can which is I look at the factors of my life that are problematic and then I try to find solutions to them on a long-term level for the short term level of solution on my for me is if I feel hot, I'm going to get an ice cream. That's the most short term solution for things that are yes. bothering me. Uh, and everything else is long term. I'm trying to be more patient with life. Therefore, like everything I see, I'm seeing it in a long term way. And as a result, at the moment, I'm seeing, for instance, I'm still a student. And technically, I need to submit my thesis and then I'm done. So at the moment, I am seeing, in terms of future, I'm trying to see that, okay, yeah, I'm going to be in Germany for some time. I don't know if I'm going to be in Berlin for a long time, but I'm going to be in Germany for some time. It's still a long way. I mean, I've been here for a year and a half, and I'm still in the same level as I was last year. In terms of finding a community, I guess, that's what I'm kind of looking forward to, finding people that I can go spontaneous hangouts with. And then I also see like, okay, if it doesn't work out here, like I will try, I'll hustle for five years at least. If it doesn't work, then a part of me does want to go back to Australia. But I mean, that's only possible if I do get a job there. Otherwise, I'm not seeing it. There's no part of me right now that wants to move. The main reason is because I don't want to start over again and again and again. It's like, you know, you're not even, it's in a game where you're not dead, but your, your life bar is like 30% and you're like no I'll just start over with 100 but instead of (laughs) using that 30% and doing your best with it so I'm trying to use that 30% and do my best with it yeah I was listening to a podcast with Reese Witherspoon the other day and she had this great quote that was like if you don't have 100% that day that's fine you don't need to let's say you have 60% then give me 100% of that 60% 
Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. like that. So you're yeah. saying, yeah, don't push and pretend that you're going to get to 100. Like you're just not. You're at 30, mm-hmm. but that's fine. Give that 30, yeah. you're 100. Exactly. Like I'm doing better than I expected to with a 30%. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like every day I'm like, you, you deserve an ice cream. Regardless of what I did, I deserve an ice cream. I actually think that that is the lesson that I have learned in 2020 as well. Ice cream <laughs> doesn't solve issues, but it can be a good reward. Oh, it's a great, yeah, it's a really good reward. It's a really, really happy reward. Now, before we run off to both go get ice cream, because obviously that's what's (laughs) going to happen after we finish recording, now I'm convinced. Um, Let's round it up with the Zach, Zach, Zach's. That's the rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. You just go with your gut. Are you ready? I am, I've prepared myself. Okay. <laughs> what is your very favorite place to chill out on a hot, hot summer day? Um, I have to say a beach in Wollongong, but that's not here right oh. now. <laughs> so I'll take, I'll take a lake in Berlin or I'll take a park in Berlin. What is or was your very favorite Australian TV show? Oh my God. I, ah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have an answer, but I'm laughing before I say it. It's a really shitty reality TV show, and it's so funny to watch. Um, it's called Yummy Mummies. I know it. Yeah, you do, know, right? <laughs> That's how I learned about. Oh, what's it called? Um, um push present. Push present. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Oh God, it's so it's so funny. And last but not least, what is, in your opinion, the very best, very coolest neighborhood in Berlin? Hmm, God. To be honest, I mean, I'm a bit of a grandma, and every time I go to visit my friend in Spandau, I really like it because it doesn't feel like Berlin. It's really like out on the other end, it's the edge of the city, and it's like, well, it's the edge of some parts of the city, and it's really nice, it's calm, it's not busy, it doesn't have so many people, and a lot of it is walking area too. Kind of is kind of similar to Freiburg in, in the little way. That's why I like it. You know, it. I was about to say to wrap the show up, Maria, I'm a, I have to pitch I have to pitch an idea to you. You give Berlin another six months to a year. If you're not feeling it, you come down to Freiburg. Yes. Walk everywhere. It's a wonderland. <laughs> We're gonna go get ice cream all the time. There's a lot of great lakes. Oh my god. Um, there's wonderful people, and mm-hmm. we will just absorb you into our little gang, and mm-hmm. it'll just mm-hmm. be great. When I heard about Freiburg, when we went there and we were hanging out, one thing I got really I enjoyed was that it's small, just like it was for me in Wollongong. Everybody was it's a small town. And I was like, but still, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And then one of my friends like, yeah, but there's only one club here. I was like, ah, you're finally selling it to me. There's only (laughs) one club. That means people are not the club mentality, which which is what I like. There's a lot of less stressful ways to socialize. <laughs> yes. <that> way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I really like that. I was like, this is my vibe. I uh, I would see that in my future. I honestly did. Like when I went there, I want to come back and it's already, I already feel good there. And the weather is nicer. But we're going to do part two of this of Madia the Nomad in a year <laughs> when you move here and you have another location to deal with. <laughs> another <laughs> location. First yes. and foremost, thank you so much for doing this episode and, and taking the time to come on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. I really, really enjoyed it. And I've always wanted to be a part of the podcast. Thanks again to Maria for coming on to the Expat Cast. And as said, Freiburg is waiting for you with open arms. Come on down, whether it's a visit or a move, we'll have you. And thanks to you, the listener, for tuning into this episode. If you're not already subscribed, go ahead and hit subscribe on your podcast app. 
I would love it if you would share this episode with a friend and I would love it even more if you would leave a rating and or review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. I saw a new one come in the other week and it truly made my day. So please make my day. Make me happy. Come on, leave a review. If you want to connect, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at The Expat Cast and you can email me at theexpatcast at gmail.com. Thanks as always go to Amy Lungy Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, we're going to be back in your feeds with an episode about voting in this upcoming U.S. presidential election. How and when and why to vote from abroad. Until then, have a wonderful week. Bis dann. Tschüss.